Hello, welcome to Episode Party, the show where myself and Freddie, hello Freddie. Hello. Talk about a bunch of podcasts, a bunch of great podcasts, hopefully, uh, with some special guests. It's a bit of a special one this time because actually we've got two guests instead of one. Uh, doubly special because actually uh, we've branched out from our usual domestic operation to feature two guests from all the way over in Australia. So today we've got Ingmar and David who host the Antidote podcast. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm a, obviously a huge fan of The Antidote, and uh, I am quite amazed that you guys have been going for, what, 56, 56 episodes now? Five, nearly five <laughs> years old. <laughs> it's not that long, really. <laughs> it's our love of drinking, I think, that, that keeps us going. Jeez, <laughs> oh, you're making us sound very Australian, David. <laughs> Don't lie, we are drunk on most episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I may have had one or two Chardonnays by the time we talk. But I don't know. There's a there's a couple of occasions where I thought you guys are, you know, a little bit slosh. But when it's noise when it's noise discussion, that's totally fine. That's right. That's right. We yeah we don't condone drinking at all. <laughs> oh, sorry. I have three children. I condone drinking every other <laughs> <laughs> nice nicely covered um so we're going to be discussing podcasts today as i say as usual everyone's suggested a podcast to put forward um we're going to start with ingmar who's recommended a podcast ingmar would you like to talk a little bit about your your recommendation yeah sure um i have recommended a podcast called someone knows something um which is uh, a canadian podcast which I discovered um, through another podcast, actually, called My Favourite Murder. I don't know if you guys or anyone that's listening has heard of this. It's um, two girls in, in L.A. who are comedians, and they, they discuss their favourite murders, which sounds kind of... It's very black, but it, they also sort of, you know, talk about how scary they are and how awful they are as well. But they uh, started listening to this and recommended it, um, and I got onto it. I... I I originally suggested we listen to season one, but I, I then ended, got onto season two and sort of binged that, listened to all 12 episodes in like two days. Um, and I think it's probably a stronger season. Um, to describe it, it's, it's, you know, it's got touches of serial, which, which most people would, would know. Um, it's also got a little bit of S-Town in it, which I, uh, I don't know, I, I think you guys may be discussing at some point, or if you have not already. Um, it's hosted by a journalist called David Ridkin. Um, he's also a writer, um, and he's produced some documentaries, and he's particularly interested in, in unsolved murders and people who've gone missing, uh, basically cold cases. And this particular one is about a, a woman named Cheryl Shepard who, who went missing not long after her boyfriend proposed to her on national television in Canada on New Year's Eve. And what I really like about it is that he um, he lets the characters do the talking. It's not super overproduced. Um, he also has snippets sort of behind the scenes where he lets the different people that he's interviewing kind of talk about their day-to-day -day lives and stuff so you get a glimpse of who these people really are rather than just kind of, you know, what they're saying when they know they're on air. Um, I don't know. I, I find it also has a nice pace to it, and um, maybe because he's Canadian, I can kind of relate to him. He's part of the Commonwealth. Um, yeah, I, I just really like it. What, what did you guys think? Um, so I'm I'm 
ashamedly very very not very far in at all i'm about halfway through the first episode of that second season but um already it's it's a super interesting story and it's it's still at the point i am it's it's still a very open kind of case and there's still a lot of ways that it can go i really liked we jack and i discussed this in episode five of this podcast where we we talked in in depth about s town and how we wish there was a bit more of a kind of an idea of how they went about their reporting and i really liked the fact that um in this you've got those moments where david says things like oh and i've made a note uh, to, to go and speak to this person later on or I'll, I'll be i'll be speaking or i'll be looking into this situation later and I, I like the fact that you get the um those little insights into how he's going about reporting um i find that really fascinating i find that kind of like a super interesting part of it and it, yeah it's 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 already an interesting story um i'm already you know hooked to the point where i'm definitely gonna have to listen through the whole season so that's always a good start um and i, I think you know david the way that david describes stuff when you know he like you say he does he does kind of let the, the the people involved do more of the talking than him but the way he describes things he describes things really meticulously and i, I really enjoy that and i think it's um and i think it, it really adds to it um but uh, i i like that it's not overly produced in the, in the way that perhaps S-Town was, although I did enjoy that. But I, I like that it's it's very much a, a look into a in, into a case that has a bit of mystery about it, and uh, it's just you know brilliantly described and 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 luckily you know the the case is particularly interesting as well. So in that sense, it's it's really good. Yeah. I really like it. I'm on uh, episode three, and I think it's getting Ooh. me gradually more hooked as um as i'm going in uh i think on top of what people have already said like he's a he's a he's a wicked host and i I understand he produces it as well i think he's clearly been doing this kind of thing um in and outside of podcasting you know i know he does this kind of thing on tv as well for a while and um the pacing of it i think is perfect it's almost got like a i think a film noir pacing but also like his tone of voice is very very reduced (laughs) and uh and you know and he's and, and it makes you feel like um you know he could at certain points start talking about his divorce and um the fact he doesn't see his kids and uh but he's got this like um yeah just this very sort of very low-key atmosphere to the whole thing i think freddie you mentioned the fact that he describes things very meticulously it's like he's a detective who's always got his eye on the details and the way people carry themselves i find some of his descriptions quite funny as well like he described one guy as a cross between george w bush and george clooney um um, which <laughs> I spent a good like five minutes in my mind trying to like congeal those two faces into one. Um, whether that's a relevant clue or not, I don't know. But I think as well, like it's um, it's it's more raw and like it feels more s- small scale than say the podcast we discussed, like uh, Serial and um, uh, and S Town, in the sense that I feel that you do get a look at more of the innards of producing this kind of thing. So like. Uh, uh, for example, like in the second episode, he's talking to this Scottish policeman who's just giving him nothing. Like <laughs> he's really like everything yeah. he asks. He's like, yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> yep, you're right. And at one point, I think he even says something on the lines of, look, we can't talk too in too much detail about evidence because as soon as it gets out into the media, it, it becomes warped to the point where it doesn't become useful in the case anymore. David, what did you what did you make of this? 
Um, I listen to it from the perspective of sort of being involved. Um, I'm a criminal lawyer by day, and um, I found it really interesting the way um, he asks his questions. Um, and I, I agree with you with his voice. I found his voice very, very soothing, actually. It's um, to the point where it actually took me <laughs> some time to actually concentrate on the on the content of the podcast itself. <laughs> I sort of zoned out in, in and out of it. But um, the episode I, I really enjoyed was The Ring, which was about uh, a five-year-old boy going missing in Canada. And the way he asks, and it happened in the 1970s, I think. So you were listening and to the, the first season, were you? Yeah. Yeah. Screw uh... your recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> Do what I want. You're not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> the productions are very similar, though, so you can still talk about the same sort of stuff, I think. Yeah, I, I just think the way that he allows his, he does what the best interviewers do, and some of the best lawyers do when they're when they're asking questions of their clients or proofing witnesses, and just let them just ask the questions very simply, and then just let them tie themselves up in knots, and the silences and the, um, the guilty always feel the need to fill a silence with sound. <laughs> to try and convince the person asking them the questions um, that they had nothing to do with it or they might know something about it. They may not necessarily be guilty, but they might know more about it than what they're actually saying. And and that particular episode was chock full of that. I found it really interesting from that point of view. I thought you'd, you'd, you'd have some perspectives like that listening to this, David. Um, I think, and what Freddie said earlier about you know, you get this behind the scenes in how an investigation unfolds. Um, uh, the more you listen to this podcast and the further it goes into it, like he um, he really does do that. He basically t- records everything he does on the case. Every time he meets someone, he, he, like, walks up to their front door and he's recording when he knocks on the front door to, to spring an interview on them and stuff. And back in the first season, he, he's recording when they... Um, get a bunch of sniffer dogs down to this lake where they think the child may have drowned and, you know, he's recording while they're doing all that. And, yeah, that that side of it is really, really fascinating and something you don't see in some of the other true crime podcasts that are out there, I think. Yeah. So can I ask how this compares to the first season? Because I I feel like that there's almost a a hint there towards the fact that was the first season sort of individual cases, uh, each episode like one case or something like that? No, no, no. It, it was all about the this this boy who was four or five, I think, who went missing on a fishing trip. Like his his parents literally sort of left him alone for ten minutes, and and they've never seen him since. Um, and so he 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 spends you know twelve episodes working with his family, tracing different leads and whatnot, um, in a similar fashion to what he does in season two. But I think. The story in season two probably has more twists and turns in it, and the characters are potentially m- more interesting. And it's just a much—it's a much more layered story, I think. Yeah, but it, no, it's—it's—it's it's, it's the same thing. It's like serial. It's you know one one story per season kind of deal. Right. 
I, I think because um, I, I think what's really come to light in this third episode is that he's kind of I think suggested at the end of the second or or at the beginning of the, of this one that he's going to get to know the he's going to get to know the background of Cheryl a bit more. And I think initially my thought was, oh, okay, he's got some time to fill. Like you know, bit of biography sprinkled around it, he can probably stretch this out. But um, actually, I think the way that he drives for the facts around Cheryl's life. I think because, again, he's been doing this for so so long, he knows how to weave details into something that feels very relevant to the case itself. So you're never kind of um, pulled into this side narrative of, well, how did she grow up? And, you know, without yeah. it being directly related back to the story, which I think is... Um, is great it like keeps a momentum going and like it it just keeps the case at the center which which is fab yeah yeah definitely um he's definitely not looking into her background as as filler and if you keep listening <clears throat> I, I guarantee you you'll there will be some surprises along the way <laughs> oh a teaser so <laughs> i think in the spirit of the show we'll move on to our next recommendation and uh leave the listeners hanging <laughs> So it's actually my podcast suggestion up next. Uh, it's the Kitchen Sisters Present, um, which is a podcast that used to be Fugitive Waves um, by a pair of producers that call themselves the Kitchen Sisters, which is Davia Nelson and Nikki Silver. And it's a Radiotopia podcast, which is a network that features the likes of 99% Invisible, Song Exploder and Criminal, a lot of big names. Um and the slogan of the podcast is stories from the B side of history. And they uh, essentially like I, I've listened to a fair few now and I'm still feel like I'm kind of getting to grasp with the scope of what they're doing. But I think they've got a really consistent approach, which is that they uh, produce these kind of part stories, part collages of audio, a lot of interviews, but a lot of stuff that feels more in the realms of like found sound and archival audio. Um, uh, and I think a lot of it as well, it's first hand interviews and it's. Uh, there's a real kind of like audio file, like uh, audio file's the wrong word, just like a real fascination with sound and sound and history and the way those intertwine. So the episode I picked was about a chap called Tony Schwartz, uh, who's a sound ar archivist or was a sound archivist uh, from New York who had um, agoraphobia, but he had all these, um, you know, reel to reel players and recording devices set up in his house and he used to be able to walk around his house but only as far as the stretch of his postal code uh, and he used to do so much sound recording just of daily life in New York um, he had an interest in folk music uh, and also the sounds of other parts of the world which for someone with agoraphobia obviously presents difficulties but he used to swap recordings with people all around the world and the story that the Kitchen Sisters put together is essentially this sort of um, collage of his pieces of little interviews and everything's got this really nice flow to it but it's not like a narrative flow it's like a, it's like a produced almost like musical flow where it goes between different stories different interview clips things overlap things are put alongside each other which only have a sort of vague um almost artistic relation um and yeah i 
I, I just love it. And I've listened to a few others as well. Um, there's one with a chap called Sam Phillips, uh, who's a record producer. And at one point he says, um, for God's sake, whatever you do, don't throw away the outtakes because that's when you get to know someone. And I feel like that's kind of a mantra of the podcast as well. So, yeah, I think it's an absolute winner. But um, David, maybe we'll start with you this time. What what did you make of this one? Um, it was a it was stunning. I I. I love um, part of my journey into noise and experimental music has been um, a lot of field recordings. Um, listen to Richard Skelton and um, Russell Haswell and um, Clive Bell, those sorts of people. And listening to the sounds of the city and the story behind them and this quite, I felt incredibly sorry for him. And um, in some ways, given that he had this terrible condition which stopped him from, you know, being out in the world, yet he recorded all these sounds. So he sort of in some ways made sort of the world come to him to to capture this stuff that was happening that he really couldn't be a part of in any great extent. And I love the, um, the way he... Uh, they spoke about him swapping tapes with people all over the world. And that seemed to be a, a really big thing in the 60s and 70s where people would get these little cassette recorders and, and record the sound around them. Um, and there were magazines. I think The Wire might have done a feature on this. These sort of cassette clubs or, or home recordist clubs that were occurring around that time. And he used, um, he got that sound, um, those tapes back to him in in brooklyn or was he in brooklyn or manhattan i can't remember now and sort of digested all that information there he was even um i love the story about him being a lecturer for harvard and uh having to do it by phone because he couldn't leave this this tiny basement apartment that he was with that was just stack full of of recordings and the way it's all structured i think is is absolutely fascinating um it um I found it quite an emotional podcast, if that makes sense. Um, listening to the story of this man. I didn't, I didn't man. know you had feelings, David. <laughs> it's the drink. There's a fair amount of medication that <laughs> makes them go away. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to up my dose. Who knows? So, um, uh, Igmar, what did you reckon? I am um, look. I, I haven't listened to any other episodes than, than this one, and, and I actually hadn't heard of this podcast before. Um, I I loved it. Like the, the the episode itself, and I don't know if the rest sound like this, but it was it, like you said, it was almost like a sound collage. I felt like I was in a gallery, sort of experiencing some sort of piece of sound art or something like that. The way it was all edited together, it has this really dreamlike quality about it. Um, it's a bit melancholic. And and you know you really I really did feel like I got some insight into who this who this person was as an individual, not just you know w- what they did. Um, I I want to hear more. Are, are the others like that? Yeah, big time. Like the one actually on um, Sam Phillips is amazing because uh, that's uh he was a producer that uh, i think was one of the first people to work with a lot of young black musicians uh, in america and set up a studio for them but a lot of those early recordings because i think he was working around the 50s are really uh lo-fi so again it's got that really um kind of nostalgic old-time feel to it so yeah uh, it's it's definitely in keeping with that theme 
Yeah. Because, like, I think I've always, since getting into podcasts years ago, I've always gone for these ones that are sort of done in people's basements. Um, I kind of like the idea of of it not being punk, but, you know, kind of just everyday Joes recording themselves talking about stuff that they're into. And and sometimes when they're super produced, I kind of, I get a little bit put, put off. Whereas this one is like, there's obviously a lot of productions gone into it, but the way it's done, um, yeah, it's not overly melodramatic or anything. It just, it just has such a great quality to it. I, I, I'd highly recommend people give it a whirl. Nice. Freddie, your thoughts on this one? Uh, good, good question, Jack. Um, in true kind of episode party <laughs> tradition, uh, I, 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 yours was like the one that I, I, got, I got around to like listening to the least. But, but to, to you know, add to that, I do know the Kitchen Sisters, um, mainly because I, I'm a big fan of 99% Invisible and a couple of the other Radiotopia Network podcasts. Um, and so I know that I know I have listened to bits of episodes from the Kitchen Sisters before. I don't even venture as far as to say I may have listened to a whole episode before. Um, I just couldn't tell you which one it was. Um, <laughs> But I, I did. St- I did start this one this morning, and um, and, and and yeah, it's it's the the style um, and the and the kind of the they're kind of like auteurs of of podcasts in a way because they have this style that 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 they are very well known for, and they've been doing it for a long time. But also that a lot of other podcasts have have taken cues from. Like he, uh, there's a lot of the Kitchen Sisters kind of production style and the way they piece together audio and the kind of the way that they add in a lot of sounds and stuff that's in present in 99% invisible they don't do it to quite the same extent they don't quite layer things as much but you can see how they've ended up on the same podcast network and you can see where uh when roman mars was originally putting together 99% invisible that's where some of his kind of cues came from in terms of how he layered up the sound and the and the sound design of his podcast um so i'm a fan of the kitchen sister stuff and I, i'm, I'm kind of glad you recommended it because it was a real nudge for me to like you know make sure that I was uh that I was kind of you know had it back in my queue again so uh, I'm gonna listen to some more and uh and and do better that's what I'm gonna <laughs> do Jack if I'm totally honest that seems like a, a noble objective Freddie I mean I think well, what's really nice try. in this discussion is that we kind of got the what I feel like's the real spectrum of of elements that come together with this which is uh on one side as you say Freddie the um 99% invisible kind of very mm. um uh, intricately and expertly produced and woven together yeah. stuff but then also what David was saying as well um which is the sort of uh, collage and field recording and um and and uh, using that material and presenting it in an artistic context and i think the fact that it um goes slap bang like down the middle i think means is is, is a winning formula and and yeah they, I, I would definitely recommend people check this uh, if they like this one check the others out because i think there's almost the you know the, there's a thought that oh maybe this one's like this in ode to this sound archivist but actually i think the kitchen sisters are archivists themselves um or at least they are people who share the same interest in sorry i shouldn't say that because it's actually probably not true i meant it more in a poetic <laughs> way <laughs> but they right. Like, okay. uh, but they they gather audio and they um, weave together sounds in a, in a way which I think pays homage to the way that Tony does it as well. Is is more what I meant, you know? Mm. I'm with you. I'm with you. 
we've got our next suggestion here, which uh, comes from David. Uh, David, would you like to um, introduce this utterly ridiculous thing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was looking through the, the, the podcast that I actually listened to. And there is no music podcasts. Um, there is nothing of any seriousness at all. It is all comedy. Um, it all just makes the sadness go away, I think. And this is this is one of my favourites. This is um, Paul F. Tompkins. It's the Dead Authors podcast, which is sadly no longer uh, current. Um, but Paul F. Tompkins, people might know as a stand-up comedian, but he's also an amazing improviser and um he did this podcast on behalf of a a local la charity which was to assist um creative writing for uh children in um the greater uh, los angeles area and as a fundraiser he would do this podcast every month and the whole premise of it is that he um gets one of his improviser or comedian friends to play the role of an author who is now dead paul f tompkins plays hg wells and the uh, premise is that he goes back in time in his time machine that he found at a car boot sale (laughs) and um takes takes these authors out of their time stream and puts them on a stage at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theatre, which is an improv theatre um, where you can do classes in improv. I think Amy, Amy Poehler was a um, one of the teachers there many years ago and uh, gets an audience in and the theatre donated all the money to this charity. Um, the one I've got you to listen to is um, one of my favourites where they... Um, get um andy daly uh the actor he was in yogi bear you might remember oh if you God. have children <laughs> um, what? he's also <laughs> i just got the most obscure reference he's also in a um i think it's a comedy central um series called review um and if you see andy daly you'll you'll know him he's 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 quite um quite well known and he plays ron l uh, l ron hubbard um and it was over at uh, two parts. I think I've got you guys to listen to part one, yeah. where basically L. Ron Hubbard is being interviewed by H.G. Um, Wells about Scientology and um, his books, and it's it's really quite insane. And most of the other podcasts have got um, the comedians and the improvisers are coming from the um, Earwolf um, stable of comedians. So people like. Um, that appear on um, Womp It Up and the Rona and Beverly podcast and um, all those sorts of alternative comics. Um, uh, Jason Manzukis is another one who does who appears as Plato. Horatio Sands from SNL also uh, plays a character. And um, it's just absolutely wonderful. I'm, I got very, very sad when it ended because it was my favourite podcast. It was something I really looked forward to. Ingmar, would you like to share your thoughts on this one as well? Um, it, I mean, it was very funny. Um, it's so funny, David, saying that he only listens to comedy podcasts. Like, I live in the, in a city that has one of the biggest comedy festivals in the world, and I wouldn't even know one of the names that performs there every year. <laughs> <laughs> Just, <laughs> um, I think the like the production and all this this is is great and everything. And it's hilarious and it's great hearing the the audience responding and. I mean, when I listen to these sorts of things, even the odd occasion I have been to stand-up things, it's the funniest moments for me are always when the um, 
the comedians themselves kind of start laughing and, and kind of lose lose their place a little bit. And that happens quite a bit in here. You, you get the sense that people are having a, a good time, including the, the stand-up people. But um, oddly, the whole way through this, I think the biggest takeaway for me was that I just kept thinking that L. Ron Hubbard is a lot like Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like all of this, you know, you know, all of this talk about that's your version of the truth and all that sort of stuff. I was just <laughs> like, wow, this is kind of freaky. Like, it's pretty timely that I'm listening to this. Um, but, you know, I think if you want to laugh, I don't think you can go wrong listening to this particular podcast. I haven't listened to any of the other episodes. I probably will because it was pretty enjoyable. Um, what did you think, Jack? Um, yeah, I mean, the Donald Trump parallel is quite funny because I remember there's a bit where he says, well, I've always said if it's true for you, then it's true. And there's like, yeah. uh, <laughs> which is great. And he keeps coming back to that. And um, I, I, do you know what? When I started listening to this, I think, uh, and I've mentioned it before when we've reviewed a couple of other podcasts, which sort of tip towards the absurd, is that um, I need a bit of, I think my brain needs to sort of rewire itself to be compatible with the material that it's taking in. And uh, uh, for the first few minutes, that was definitely true. Um, and I just love this now. I think it's incredible. Um, I think what I really like is that there's a sense of um, sort of palpable comedic danger in that there's a a pressure to be funny and that it's sometimes it it kind of goes through peaks and and troughs and you can hear them trying certain things that don't quite stick and then trying something else and then launching curveballs at each other as well and I think L. Ron Hubbard was an excellent one to pick because obviously so much of his past is sort of self-fabricated that um Andy Daly's got the opportunity to hurl things out there like I was the commander of McDonald's uh, in the past, (laughs) which is my favourite bit in the entire thing. And again, you can hear, as you say, like like the host's just cracking up because, you know, Paul F. Tompkins doesn't really know what to do with it. But I I just thought it was excellent. And and, and what what I maybe assumed as I was going in and I kind of read the premise, I was like, oh, interesting. It's sort of like, you know, quite a a cutesy little horrible history. It's like, oh, it's a way to learn about the past, but there's a bit of fun there. Uh, You come away knowing absolutely nothing about the author and, in fact, probably end up questioning (laughs) a lot of what you've already learned. Um, But... and I think that's just a beautiful we, we thing. We found out that he was a Condor Scout, though. Yeah, <laughs> and that he uh, defeated how many? How many communists in oh, a bear cave? Gosh, it was uh, <laughs> a lot. To do all of them, I think. Yeah, yeah. Didn't all he, of uh, the communists lure them into a bear cave or something as well, where there was, you know, a lot oh, of bears. It was the biggest bear cave in the world. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> I, I also listened to one with. Uh, Dr. Zeus, um, yeah. where Dr. Zeus is this really insecure, like very um, sort of passive-aggressive guy who just doesn't <laughs> want to answer any questions. And then, you know, H.G. Wells is constantly going, are you okay? You don't seem to be enjoying this. He's like, no, it's great. It's fine. It's good. He's <laughs> clearly like... <laughs> and keeps thinking that all the answers to everything that, that he wants to say are, are, are in his eight-page version of the Grinch that sat in front of him. It's just, it's just the best. It's the best. Like, I, I think I, I, it's such a shame that it, you know, it came to a close. But um, And I'm not really familiar with Paul F. Tompkins, but 
He seems like a no. funny chap. I mean, is he quite current? Is he doing a lot of stuff at the moment? Uh, he's in a um, CISO production called Billion Dollar Properties, which is a takeoff of all those terrible um, real estate, American real estate shows um, that you see around. Um, and you can see that a little bit of that on YouTube, but I don't think we can get it in Australia. We have. So is he American rather... or is he British? Yeah, he's American. He's been, he's been to <laughs> your town. Question. So how is his British accent? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. It's good. It's a really good British accent. It took me a second. I, when I started listening, I was like, hang on, this guy's British. And then I was like, no, he isn't. But it was very good. It was yeah. good to the point where I was yeah, convinced right. for the first couple of minutes. Wow, because I was thinking that he was literally British and that the other guy was putting on the American accent. Then <laughs> who, am I to, who am I to know? <laughs> See, in, um, in the comedy Bang Bang podcast, he plays um, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, right. as one of his characters. So he comes back as regular characters. And um, he also plays Cake Boss, the, that terrible oh, American yeah. show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and there's been several oh, others. I can't remember dear. off the top of my head. Yeah, I listened to, um, I think, uh, another Earwolf podcast called um, I Was There Too. I think he was on that talking about when he was um, an extra in There Will Be Blood. And um, I'd never really heard of him before. I didn't realise he was a comic. I just thought he was a particularly, you know, eccentric kind of um, dumb-humoured chap on the fringe of There Will Be Blood. (laughs) And that was his his credit. (laughs) But clearly, you know, he's um, just a... You know, and, and I think his sense of humour to begin with, um, there feels like there's almost like a a sort of, yeah, it's a very dumb, it's almost dad joke quality to some of the things that he says. Like, it's just very silly, but uh, I'm totally on board with it now. I'm totally sold. Yeah, I, 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 I also am a I'm, I'm a fan now, a converted fan. I'd never heard of it before, um, and uh, I, I have to admit that I'm not a massive comedy podcast person at all. Jack, I know you've recommended me some comedy-based podcasts in the past, and I've, I've just never really got into them. Um, but this particularly, I don't know whether it was the subject matter, whether it was kind of you know the L. Ron Hubbard thing, um, or it was it was it was just the kind of format or the kind of the the style of improv. It was I, I thought it was I thought it was really really good. Um, I was uh, I was I was I was really into it, and um, I'm looking forward to kind of diving into the to the to the, to the rest of the archive now. And like you say, it's just such a shame that it's finished because I think it's such a such a wonderful idea and such a wonderful format. It's simple, but it's. Um, it's you know there's so there's so many places you can go with it um and i think i think it works really really well so david what i'd be interested to ask you is i mean i think the last time we brought up comedy podcasts on episode party it was uh we we were kind of lamenting the lack of comedy podcasts that we we found kind of enduring and actually funny i mean i know of a couple but then this is one that i'd now add to the list of what i still consider to be exceptions but i mean could you just like give a couple of tips where should we be going now You should stay with this podcast and listen to the ones with Plato, Jason Banzukas, playing Plato as the most disgraceful pedophile that's ever walked the earth. <laughs> oh, um, Jesus. <laughs> um, 
And then uh, Ron Funches, which is a this fantastic African-American comedian who has this really high squeaky voice, and he's immense. He's a massive man, but he plays Iceberg Slim, and that's another good one. But um, the, the Earwolf Network has another one called Womp It Up, which I find rather hilarious. Um, it's about a, um, a teenage girl called Marissa Wobbler and um, her teacher, and she's in a special ed class, but it's not that there's anything wrong with her. <laughs> it's just that she's really socially awkward and a bit stupid. Um, that's a good one. Um, Spontaneous Nation, which I think is um, Paul F. Tompkins' um, podcast that he's doing now, is another good one. Uh, Comedy Bang Bang with Scott Ockerman is always uh, funny. Um, so there are a lot in there. They seem to be really US-based, I think, the, the, the good ones. Um, but I'm also a bit of a dag, and I also like um, the Radio 4 Friday Night Comedy podcast, <laughs> Closer to Home, but only <laughs> Miles Jupp doing the news quiz. The other ones I don't care for, but... Um, uh, that, that's a that's absolutely hilarious. Miles Jupp is getting better and better in that role. Fantastic. We've got a nice counterbalance now that I can, you know, after Ingmar's sort of more macabre true crime stylings of his recommendation, <laughs> I can, you know, go get my laughter hit. So, Freddie, you've got our final suggestion for today. Would you like to introduce us to it? Yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to hit somewhere down the middle here um, between everyone's kind of recommendations with a with a podcast that's um, it's 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 not crime, it's not comedy, um, it's it's quite matter of fact. Um, it's called Twenty Thousand Hertz, um, and it's uh, produced uh, and and made by a a company called De Facto Sound, who are a sound design company. They do stuff for games and film and television, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I feel like basically this is kind of like shameless self promotion for them. So they've started this podcast called 20,000 Hertz, which is about sound and sound design um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, they, and the way I found I got introduced to this was through an episode of 99% Invisible, um, which is a podcast about design and architecture. Um, and they mostly produce their own stuff. But every now and then they'll kind of borrow someone else's episode to either tell a story or to feature that podcast. Um, and in this case, they borrowed this episode, the NBC chimes from... 20,000 hertz to play on 99% visible um and it's and it's and and what struck me about that was that um uh, I, I don't know if anyone's a listener to 99% Invisible. Hopefully someone who's listening to the podcast is a, is a fan. But um, it, usually when they play someone else's podcast, it's really obvious that it's, it's not them doing their own stuff because, the you know, it just, it just sounds completely different and it's just not half as smooth and half as interesting. Um, but with this, the, the 20,000 hertz kind of style of production is so similar to 99% Invisible, um, but they're, they're tackling uh, subject matter, which I, I, I think is... I think it's just as interesting. So I think that they're taking different aspects of sound and sound design and and they're, they're breaking them down. And, then, you know, in this case, they give a real history of the NBC chimes, the three little chimes for the, the NBC television network um, and where they came from and and where they've gone to as well. And, it, and it's quite nostalgic in a way, um, this, this particular episode. And when you realise that you find out that Dallas Taylor, who's the guy who produ- produces and presents the podcast, he used to work for NBC, you, it 
kind of makes sense. But it's 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 a short podcast, um, and they've they've done a fair few of them now, um, and and they all focus on different things and different aspects of sound and sound design, and they they talk about them. Sometimes I feel like the brevity um, holds it back a little bit. I think that they, they, they don't dive into stuff as deep as I'd kind of like. But for a kind of like short 13, 14 minute blast of something that's kind of vaguely educational, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. Um, do you know what, Jack, you've you've not you've not you've not done a first response yet. What what what, what do you think? All right, here's my first response. Uh, I like it. <laughs> uh, it's enjoyable. Um, I agree with you on the brevity that it kind of prevents it from digging as deep uh, as it otherwise could do. But then again, I feel like. Um, I mean, I've always found them to be quite similar to, like, film trailers. Like, there's a lot of, like, whooshes and bangs, and um, it's, like I say, very film trailer-esque in that it's kind of like a sensory hit. I mean, I think compared to my recommendation, there's like a... uh, um, This is all kind of just like a sensory white knuckle ride. Um, And I remember hearing the NBC Chimes episode I think that was a good recommendation because that's my favourite I think because they do Mm. go Mm. I think more in depth than they do on some of the other ones which do feel like they drag you along so fast that everything's a bit of a blur and you kind of spout the other side like you know I heard a lot of stuff there but I'm not sure what I came away with Uh, they they are very hit and miss and I think Mm. it's definitely like as you say the 99% invisible of sound uh, but also in the sense as well that some episodes feel more passable than others um i mean they did one on foley though as well Twenty Thousand hertz which i think is really excellent uh, and it talks to foley artists um about the techniques they use in order to achieve certain sounds and there's a really um gruesome bit where he talks about uh going to a chiropractor and achieving the sound of a cracked back with a bottle covered with a flannel um and it's it's i know because they're a sound studio they play all that stuff super up close and it feels very immersive um dallas taylor's voice again has got like a movie trailer sort of depth and drama to it um which isn't always my kind of thing but um it fits in considering the actual style of the podcast overall is probably like quite appropriate but yeah i enjoy it and every now and then i mean because it's about sound then it's always going to have me subscribing and whenever there's something that i think is going to be to my interest i definitely download especially because it's like 12 minutes of my time so you know you can get through them very quickly but um ingmar what did you reckon of this one i this one was probably a little bit too produced for me like i felt like i was listening to a radio show or or something like that um which is not a bad thing necessarily i think it's probably a personal you know it's quite a subjective um approach i guess um i thought the content was was interesting you know i wasn't familiar with that three bells sound maybe maybe that's my bad i don't know um but I also liked its brevity. I'm curious what you guys think of the, you know, these short podcasts because a lot of podcasts tend to go on. They're, they're super long. They go for an hour or more, and I kind of often find that frustrating. Um, I like them when they're short and punchy. Not that ours is ever short and punchy, but <laughs> what do you guys think of that? It's interesting because I think when Jack and I first started Episode Party, we we said to each other, we'll make it about 30 minutes or thereabouts. And every single episode so far has been an hour without fail. Um, (laughs) 
uh, which I, I I don't know whether that says anything about our ability to kind of cut things down or not. But like I I I think I think some just find their natural ebb and flow. I personally like I I think it's about when you when you listen to podcasts and when you have time to listen to podcasts. I don't find myself with lots of time to like unless I'm doing a really long drive, like I'm doing a drive down to the other side of the country. I I don't have a lot of time to listen. So 15 minutes is like a really good time for me because I can like yeah. stick that on as soon as I wake up and like you know get ready and get dressed and all the rest of it and then by the time that's done it's you know i've listened to a podcast which is great um so i you know i i actually really like them i think the my my biggest kind of bugbear with with the brevity thing is when the brevity stops the podcast from being as in-depth as possible and there's a really good example of that in Twenty Thousand hertz with one called the mystery hum now the mystery hum is like the best promise ever of like it's a story about like a, a hum that's in this certain town that no one knows where it's coming from so you know Twenty Thousand hertz take up this story about the mystery hum and, and it's a short episode and i don't think we ever really get to the bottom of it and it's like the most frustrating thing in the entire world um, and i kind of feel like if they just went you know we'll, we'll make it half an hour you know we'll make it 40 minutes i think they might have yeah. got you know they've been able to explain it a little bit more so i think it depends on the podcast i think it depends on how that like time limit is handled in some cases i think it's handled really well and i think in some cases twenty thousand hertz handles it really well and in some cases they don't yeah no totally i i i think the great thing about podcasting is that it can just be any length uh, and use it as it sees fit and i think some of my favorite podcasts are really long because i think it allows for a form of uh interview and um sort of depth that you just can't get from i mean even radio a lot of the time like the, you know the the parameters around um radio and how long that can afford to be is sometimes restrictive and so you get these three hour podcasts and providing there's a good guest on i'm happy to sit and listen for three hours i mean i do a long commute um a few times a week i seem to bring it up every single episode and uh (laughs) that's like an hour and a half in the morning an hour and a half in the evening so like i can i can get in like one of those long podcasts or at least most of it like on the way in and i'm happy to to kind of just sink into one listening experience for that entire duration Uh, alternatively um again it allows me to sort of adapt to context so if i'm making breakfast uh, or something, and I want something that's just nicely soundtracks that 15 minutes where I'm whizzing up some beans on toast and eating it, then, you know, 20,000 hertz can place an otherwise mundane breakfast experience inside, you know, the NBC Chimes history story. So it's an absolute <laughs> delight. But um, yeah, I mean, so, uh, I mean, with the, the, the brevity thing, I mean, where did that land with you, Ingmar? Did you find that a, a sort of strength or was it just, was it too, cramming too much into too small? a space of time no i thought i thought it worked in this context and and the kitchen sisters podcast episode was short as well i think that was about 20 minutes perhaps and you know i think that's good i think i think you're right it also it just depends so much on the the structure and the format um i sometimes listen to the the brett easton ellis podcast i don't know if any of you have ever listened to that but you know, where he interviews kind of obscure Hollywood people, not celebrities, more behind the scenes people. And they're sometimes an hour and a half long, but the conversations are so interesting. You, you kind of don't really notice the time going by. Um, yeah. So I, I think it does depend on the the content itself, of course. Yeah. And what what about you, David? What'd you, what'd you make of it? Uh, it got the time it deserved, I think. Um, nice and short. 
I think most of the podcasts I listen to are these really long form interviews or these big comedy podcasts, I suppose. So yeah, it was it was fine for the for the subject matter, I suppose. Um, as for the podcast itself and the content of it, it was it was sort of made one a little bit nostalgic for the days of you know this was NBC Radio, which I don't think even exists anymore, does it? As a no, as a radio so. network, and um, this wonderful mm-hmm. idea of these old time. DJs uh, having a set of chimes on their desk, and they had to hit them in in sequence um, yeah. to, um, to to end their sessions. I, yeah. It's just something just wonderfully, just wonderfully nostalgic about that. And 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 if you have kids, I've just recently bought a record player into our house, and um, and seeing my three children who are sort of eleven and under just be absolutely mesmerised by these vinyl records spinning around and how the sound comes out of them. And even a CD player, they're just absolutely gobsmacked about how it all works. And, yeah, it's had similar parallels, I think. I did find it very interesting when they were talking about um, how in this particular era sound was was, was like a trademark or a logo or sort of a form of brand, which is something that doesn't really exist today. Yeah, I think, Freddie, you might be able to jog my memory. Isn't there a 99% Invisible about, like, audio browning and, like, the sizzle of fajitas or something like that being a form of audio brand at Chili's or something like that? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I think, I, think, I think you're right. <laughs> I think there is. I, I feel like I remember the sizzle. I can't remember the exact thing, but, yeah, I remember there being something about this and how someone tried to copyright the sound of something. And like it's it's a really hard thing to copyright, and as it probably should be, but um, yeah, it did it did come up, yeah. Isn't that the um, the cause or something wanting to cause beer, wanting to trademark the sound of that beer can opening? Yeah, how bizarre! Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. very very strange, <laughs> very weird. I think um, the funny thing with twenty thousand hertz is that like while I enjoy it, I think there are lots of times where i've heard podcasts about the same subjects that are covered here that actually i probably prefer as primers so stuff you should know did one on the mystery hum which um i mean i think it is a mystery and but you do feel like they've maybe dug a bit deeper and can you know warrant saying it's a mystery because they've given it a look and then you've got um yeah as i say the one on foley uh, one on foley that twenty thousand hertz did i think 99 percent invisible did one on uh foley in nature documentaries which was like i don't know had an element of they scandal did, yeah. to it yeah because you've got people in sound studios mimicking the sound of elephants feet for the you know benefit of something that's supposed <laughs> to be factual so there's a there's a sort of interesting controversy aspect to it there and then um the one on branding yeah like that that 99 invisible one i think is 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 just better and the um the interviews are stronger and I, I and and i think roman as well as a host like i find this dallas chap he's fine but he fills in the gaps in a way which feels quite impersonal um uh, whereas you know i prefer i think i prefer hosts with a bit more to them apart from just a bit of silky smooth you know he's there's 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 uh he's almost like a um a sort of emblem of the podcast as a whole like very silky smooth but um also at the same time where's the humanity 
You could be talking about the antidote. <laughs> you know. yeah, yeah, that's so smooth. Uh, we are so smooth. That's it. I've so organised. Yeah, you've raised the bar too high. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> There's nowhere to go from you, here. No. <laughs> do you guys listen to a lot of podcasts? Where do you find the time to, to invest in all of these? I mean, I don't think Jack's mentioned it before, but he's got quite a long commute and... Uh, on that, he gets... <laughs> was that sarcasm? <laughs> it was, yeah, very much so. Um, no, but I mean, I, I like I I sometimes commute. I, I I'm a freelancer, so I occasionally work for other people in different parts of the country. And every now and then, I'll have like a three hour drive. And for that three hour drive, I just queue up three hours worth of podcasts and and I'll, I'll listen to them all. I think Jack listens to a lot more podcasts than I do. I'm pretty um, I'm very picky and I don't keep stuff for very long. But Jack, you've got like hundreds, haven't you? Like sitting mm. in your in your app uh, somebody just funny someone recommended me a podcast the other day and i said i'll check it out and then he um came to me three days later and he's like did you check it out and i i said i'll be getting to that one on uh, i imagine early june um so <laughs> come back to me then but i just have like um I'm going through a phase, quite an omnivorous phase at the moment, where I just want to listen to as much as possible. And I think as part of doing this podcast, just trying to get a real sense of the breadth of what's possible with podcasts, because I'm still discovering stuff where I think, I mean, Dead Authors is a great example. I think I haven't heard anything like that. And I, I think just every time I discover something like that, it spurs me on to just get a better lay of the landscape. But I mean, I, I just have my earphones in um, for probably what is considered a very socially um, antisocial, <laughs> socially antisocial as the phrase is, uh, amount of time. But, you know, uh, I'll listen to it on uh, on runs. I'll listen to podcasts like, as I say, when I'm getting breakfast and, and, you know, on my commutes. And so I do end up just wolfing them down but um in a way you've, which... you've got an encyclopedic knowledge of music too where do you fit that in <laughs> like seriously <laughs> i just uh, stay indoors that's it what are podcasts replacing in terms of the way we consume media so you know is it taking away from the music industry is it taking away from television is it taking away from radio you know these things didn't exist you know six or seven years ago and now they're so much part of all of our lives um, even my parents my elderly parents listen to podcasts so you know where they're eating away at something yeah i think that's a brilliant question um I just think, uh, I, I, for me, I mean, I can only go by personal account. And I think it's, for me, it's radio. Like, I used to have Radio 4 on in the morning um, when I used to go to work. And now I have podcasts. Um, but, mm. yeah, I, I, and I know as well that there's a lot of people who, I still think it's a nascent thing uh, in that it's not known by everyone. I mean, we, we had my dearest father on the show who was talking about the fact that, you know, not loads of people in his generation were actually listening to podcasts so i it, it would be i don't know it'd be interesting if podcasts because I, I wonder if it's still considered a, a sort of i mean not niche in the sense that it's this little you know underground community but it's not known by everyone i wonder if we'll start to notice like a, a drop in sort of radio listenership to the point where actually you know mainstream media starts talking about it but i don't know if anyone else has any thoughts on What's going on there? I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, 
I'd I'd agree. I think I I think in episode four of Episode Party, which um, actually isn't out at the time of recording, so no one will have heard it. But I talked about like we we did a bit of a primer on podcasts, and I kind of described them as like radio on demand. Um, and in, in many ways, mm. that some of these some of the shows that we've recommended and talked about today feel like you know radio shows that would have been broadcast as part of radio and in, and and in, in some cases so many of these shows are you know not that not necessarily this episode but other episodes we've done are actual public radio shows that've been turned into a podcast and um yeah and i think i think that's it and i feel i feel like it's 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 taking the best bits of radio and and giving you more flexibility with them and and at the same time it's democratizing it in a way that a lot of other people are coming in and making them too but for me definitely i know that when i'm in the car i have like a kind of almost a binary choice between listening to the radio or listening to podcasts and it's very rarely anything in between um you know occasionally i'll I'll stick a very specific piece of music on if i'm in a mood for something or something's in my head but 99 percent of the time i'd say i'm either listening to the radio because i'm being very passive and i don't really care what i'm listening to or i'm on a journey where i want to be kind of kept intrigued and awake and you know entertained and and then i'll put on a big queue of podcasts and try and get through as many as i can on that drive but i i think i think it's definitely a radio replacement um for a lot of people but i'm also the kind of person i don't really watch a lot of tv and i don't really watch a lot of netflix or anything like that so i I, the podcasts are kind of where i get the majority of my kind of you know it fills the hole that maybe televised documentaries might might otherwise fill um but yeah I, i feel i feel i feel the same as jack i feel like it's 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 radio and um and I, I, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's what I think that's what it's eating up. Yeah, I think it's probably con- it's content on demand as well. Like people 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 don't want to watch TV anymore. They want to watch thing. They want to watch TV shows. You know when they want to watch it. They don't want to have to sit down at eight thirty to watch something. That's why Netflix is so popular and all the rest of them. Ingmarik and it's reading as well. You know, reading. I, I look at ah. yeah. I look at my wife. This is a woman who used to read a book regularly, and now she goes to bed and to fall asleep she'll listen to a podcast instead and i think there's just so much content out there and there's so much content you know in web series and netflix and everything's on demand and i just wonder what effect it has um on our interconnectivity with each other on a on a personal level because there's just so much content that we're all consuming now and i and I think the other counter side to my argument is that maybe we're just consuming more than we're used to. I mean, I don't know about... Uh, Jack, you've got... Have you got kids, Jack, or have I, I got that wrong? I don't know. I don't have kids. No, I, I find when I'm walking around the house, I've got a pair of, you know, earphones in trying to, to keep up to date with what's going on um, and listening um, to... Uh, internet radio for instance through my through my phone um and then podcasts on top of that and reading and music and keeping on top of all of that and it just seems to be a huge part of all of our lives now um it's more a comment it's not a philosophical question i suppose but um i was just thinking about that as you were talking about all the podcasts you listen to um and everything that you've talked about on this is completely new to me um and i find it fascinating how you know in as society is changing how we're fitting all this content in i find it absolutely fascinating yeah 
I, 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 I find myself listening to, to, to podcasts in, in the times and places that I, I wouldn't ever have done anything before, you know, like just, just doing the washing up or cooking dinner or something like that. And I just, I'm, I might have music on the background as kind of a thing to listen to, but I wouldn't necessarily be actively listening. But I think with podcasts now, the, 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 they're a thing that I actively listen to at times when I'd never really consider actively listening to anything in the past. And I think, I think you're right. And I think, I think that's the, the kind of feeds into the, the the whole thing about consuming a whole load more stuff and i think it's just a circle where the the more the more time we find in the day to 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 prioritize listening to a podcast over doing anything else or you know listen to a podcast where you wouldn't necessarily do anything else at all uh the more you listen to and then the more you have to listen to the more time you try and find because you've got more to listen to um it's, it's it yeah you're right it's it's definitely fascinating I wonder whether we're seeing a little bit of a, a pushback against that, though. And um, I'm thinking specifically of of um, the rise in, in sales of vinyl records because now we want something tangible. We want to, you know, you, you can't um, carry a record around with you. You know, it's a very static item and mm. it comes with all this wonderful packaging and liner notes and all those wonderful things you remember. Well, I remember as a much younger man <laughs> um, really, really getting into. In the 50s. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the early 50s. Thanks, Ingmar. <laughs> you bitch. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I guess that's the thing, isn't it, with podcasts? What's the um, genesis of podcasts? It's radio. So it doesn't have this physical format to fall back on. Um, So I wonder whether we'll see the same kind of um, backlash against podcasts or, or, or whether they're kind of immune to that, you know? I've always liked them, though, because anyone can make a podcast. You can submit it to iTunes and, you know, they'll probably post it. which makes it different to a lot of other formats that are out there, you know, and I've always gone for the ones that aren't. So, I, you know, I hate it when radio stations record some show that they've got on and they post it up there and they're like, listen to the podcast. And I'm like, that's not a freaking podcast. It's just your radio show that you've recorded and you've posted it up there. Like, fuck that. I want to hear some Joe Blow and get some insight into their life on the other side of the world. That's That's kind of what's interesting to me. Yeah. I think what's great is that we've kind of, at the end of this discussion, we've uplifted it to the benefits of podcasts. So, um, <laughs> bode, bodes well for the future of episode party. Um, so, this has been great. Um, thank you so much, you guys. We are on the internet at episode.party. We're also on Twitter. Uh, at episode underscore party so as well as filling your life with podcasts I'd like to encourage just the casual perusal of our social media channels at all times Um, I've been Jack Tudor I've been Freddie Harrison and guys from the Antidote podcast Ingmar and David thank you so much thanks for having us make sure you listen to us (laughs) oh that's a good point we should do uh... guys if people want to find out more about yourselves and the Antidote podcast where should they go? Theantidotepodcast.com and you can find all of our social media stuff. If you're into weird music and us rambling while we've had a few drinks. <laughs> yeah, some some great Australian swearing. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having us on, guys. That was fun. Yeah, Cheers, thanks no so worries. Much. We'll see you soon, guys. Thanks. Oh.